Thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Great deal going on. You put in a deposit, you can get $1,000 in free plays. All right. Now, joined by the best defensive player in school history. I want We're going to get to that in a little bit. But a man also coming back from Las Vegas, Mr. Reggie Geary. Hello, Reg. Hey, Mike. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, not too bad. Always a pleasure. So tell us a little bit first about you're in Vegas watching NBA Summer League. Um, what uh, what kind of came to your mind watching Christian Coloco, Dalen Terry, and um, uh, Benedict Matherin? Yeah, you know, first off, it was just uh, it was great to just to see the crowds, you know, kind of coming back to Thomas and Mac there for the NBA Summer League. It really was a, a great environment. I think, like myself, everybody just wanted to see these young guys in action. And um, obviously, being an Arizona Wildcat, uh, Dalen and Ben and Coloco were of great interest. And and I, I like I'm happy to report they they all did well. You know. Um, uh, you know, Ben Matherin already looks very, very comfortable. Um, you know, he's just a beautiful athlete, you know, never really gets sped up or tries to do too much. And just from day one, you know, you could just see how he, how comfortable he was. Um, they had the other guard there, young guard Dorte, he used to play in Oregon. He's now a second year player. And they just, they just have a really nice uh, pair of bookends there for the future in Indiana. Um, you know, Dalen Terry with Chicago, he kind of did his thing. He does what, what Dalen does, you know, the right. first game. Really wasn't looking to score too much, but his his energy and his activity and his leadership, I know they love. Um, speaking with their staff, you know, he's getting deflections, he's getting hands on ball, he's kicking the ball ahead. He's doing all those little things he's going to have to do with the big club if he hopes to get minutes. So um, even though he, offensively he still needs, there's a lot, a long way to grow, he still does those little things that everyone loves. And uh, Christian Coloco, you know, I only got to see the one game of him right. on the first day, um, but defensively, you can see he can move his feet on the perimeter. He can still challenge at the rim. He showed some offense. And so uh, Toronto, I think, is a great fit for him culture-wise. And, and I think he really could blossom there. You know, So I think right now Arizona's 3-for-3 three three in Vegas. Do you see a little, bit of, uh, uh, a little bit of Michael Dickerson athleticism when you watch Ben Matherin? Yeah, I mean, a lot of guys come to mind. Some people compared to kind of that Sean Elliott, uh, Michael Dickerson mode for sure. Just a smooth athlete. Um, who can step out all the way to the three. He's probably a little better off the bounce than Dickerson. But right. One thing Ben does, he, he can create space. He is a, a perfect player, especially on the offensive for, for today's NBA, uh, where he can create space, he can knock down shots, and if you get too close, as we saw in TCU last year, he can go by with a big finish. See, that's the thing that impressed me the most about him is when he, his freshman year, he was kind of either a drive or a three-point guy, and it was a straight-line drive. This past year, he came back. He had a hesitation. He was able to get to where he wanted on the court. A lot of times, guys are either built with that one-on-one ability, but he was able to really develop it, which is kind of exciting to think about where he could be two or three years from now. No, Mike, I think that's an excellent point. You know, I was hard on his freshman year. Didn't I wasn't a big fan. Knew he had the talent, but he just seemed to be disinterested if he wasn't scoring. Right. And to see his maturation, and maybe it was going playing uh, under 18s with his national team where he was kind of the star, but he came back and all of a sudden defensively he was locking in. You could put him in pick and rolls, and he got better and better as the season went on in terms of his decision-making out of there. And like you say, his ball handling. So um, I think that's what has everybody so excited at Indiana. I think that's why he went six because his upside looks like it's pretty big. All right, so all right, moving on to what next year's team could look like here. You've got um, the reclassification of uh, Kylan Boswell. And 
I'm looking at his role. I'm looking at your role when you were a freshman because, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people, uh, you know, they remember it's Damon, it's Khalid, it's Chris Mills. Reggie Geary got a lot of time as a reserve guard there, which I'm assuming Kylan Boswell will next year. What what should his mindset be going into next season? And quite frankly, what was your mindset going into playing on a team with such a loaded perimeter to begin with? Good question. You know, uh, coming out of my early high school, you know, I came in with a lot of confidence, but more importantly, I, I came in with a lot of fundamentals and just, I thought I had it for a freshman, a good understanding of how to play the game. And when I got out there with coach Olson, as you mentioned, um, I knew they had Khalid Reeves and, and Chris Mills and all American. And I'd heard about this guy, Damon Stoudemire, who had a fantastic freshman year. So um, the big thing, I just wanted to come in and be myself and play hard and do the things I knew I could do. And, and luckily for me, Hall, you know, coach Olson, hall of fame, Lute Olson, um, saw saw what I could do. He gave me confidence from day one and inserted me in the lineup. And so uh, Boswell has to do the same exact thing. Um, you know, Tommy Lloyd and staff, they were, were hoping that he would, you know, reclassify and come now. Why? Because they felt they think he can help and he can help by just being himself and doing what he does. So um, I think it was a great pickup for him. Uh, Kirk Crystal now has some a backup and more importantly, some competition. You know, just maybe to keep him in line a little bit more so. And that's what you need if you want to be a, a, high, a high level team. What were you your freshman year? The reason I'm asking about it is because, like I said, I think you guys will probably play similar minutes to where he did. What what did you what did you learn the most that freshman year? And what if you're if you're advising Kylan Boswell, what would you advise him on just for this first year? First year, like any year, the big thing is just to come in um, to really kind of work your way to this into the into the group. You know, and how do you do that? You come in every day, you practice, you practice hard, you go to the weight room hard, uh, you, 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 you pay attention in the classroom, you do all those things that freshmen do. You, you try not to be a problem. And at the same time, you come in every day and compete. And as long as he does those things, you know, listen to Coach Lloyd, because Coach Lloyd is a great teacher. That's the one thing I've learned this first year here, his ability to teach his philosophy, to kind of free up players. Um, and, and just to kind of go in with that kind of confidence, you know, just with, you know, just being receptive to everything and, and realize there's going to be times he struggles. And when, he, and when that occurs to not fall apart, but, you know, to just keep grinding and keep bearing down. You mentioned Kirk Creasa. So I wanted to talk, everybody knows that, you know, his, his percentages probably weren't as good this past year as his shooting really indicates, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit defensively because you obviously, your reputation precedes your but when you're, if you were advising Kerr on just defense and you know getting better at that, which what would Reggie Geary's advice be to a guy like that that's trying to learn that part of the game? Yeah, you know, Kerr's a guy who who's always going to have a target on his back. Anytime the opposing team, you know, game plans, the game plan is definitely going to be to go at him. Um, and, and Kerr, knowing that, he just needs to be solid. You know, he's not going to get any taller or any quicker in the next 24 hours. But the one thing he can do is positioning-wise, have good positioning, whether it's on the man, making sure he has correct spacing to try to keep his man out of the middle. Um, if he's on the weak side or he helps side defender, just to make sure he's always in the right place because he doesn't have the benefit of exceptional foot speed where he can make up some of these things. So his positioning has to be good. His on the ball, he has just, just, just has to be solid. Doesn't have to get steals or blocks. Just keep people in front of them. If you do that, you play the percentages. Um, there's a good chance they're going to miss shots, and we can get out and fast break. You know. What are you looking for from Pella Larson this season? Yeah, I'm looking for a big year for Pella. You know, last year, you know, unfortunately, he had the foot injury earlier in the year. It really kind of, uh, you know, hurt his his progression in, in terms of where he was. I thought towards the end of the year, you know, we were starting to see the true Pella Larson in terms of, uh, you know, a big body, a guy you can put at one, really one through four. His, his versatility is what I really love because he's a big 6'6". Right. Um, he defends, he's physical. Uh, he has the ability to get to the rim. 
Um, you know, his feel for the game it needs improvement, but it gets better as time goes on. But he's a guy I'm sure Tommy's looking at for 15 points plus a night and hopefully have some nights where he creeps into 20. But he could be a breakout star for the Cats. All right, so then just kind of moving down the line then. Azulis Tabellis then. Um, All-conference guy last year. Obviously, you know, didn't end the season on a, on a good note. As a player, as a leader like you were, if somebody has that type of performance, do you talk with them? Do you just let it go like it didn't happen? What is the, uh, what is the emotional context as a team leader if you're talking with Azulis and what you need from him this coming season? Yeah, you know, this is Azulis' team right, as of right now. You know, um, he, he's going to be, I think, his third year, a third year starter now. Um, we've seen it when he's playing at a high level. Um, he's one of the best, you know, power forwards or forwards in the country. And so he just needs to find that edge. Obviously, have a little bit of a, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder in terms of how the tournament was last year because he didn't play well. So right. he needs to come back and really have his hair on fire in terms of having a sense of urgency where from day one. You know, one of the things that always kind of threw me off was, well, Tommy would kind of go up to him before a game and say, you know, Zulus, we need a big game out of you tonight. And all of a sudden, he would turn that around into a 20-point performance. You know, in all honesty, Coach Lloyd, he shouldn't have to say that. Right. You know, that, you know, Zulus is at the point of his career, his college career, where every night he knows, hey, I have to get, you know, 15 to 22, you know, field goal attempts. I need to be aggressive um, and, and really set the tone for this team. Now, when you were uh, now your senior season, obviously, um, you guys drastically surpassed expectations. Ben Davis becomes um, runner up to Pac-10 player of the year. Ben, at least from a, uh, you know, from an outsider's perspective, seemed to be a very quiet, stoic guy. Would you um, and uh, Azulis doesn't show a ton of personality out there either. But would Lute, would Lute or would yourself say have to say that, hey, Ben, we need you? Or was it just we already got Ben right there? No, nah, we already had Ben. Ben knew the mission. He knew the mission before the game started. He was he was going to grab his 10 to 15 boards and get his, you know, 12 to 18 points. And so he was very consistent. He was a very consistent performer. Um, so we didn't have to say much to him. Um, you know, Azulis, once again, he just needs to realize, and I, and I think he is. I think he's to that point now where, you know, it's, it's, it's his turn. You know, I, I saw him a few weeks ago uh, in an open gym situation going against uh, Rui uh, Hajimoto, I think I'm saying that correctly, an NBA player from the Washington Wizards. Mm-hmm. And and that was a little bit of an eye-opener. Rui was kind of getting the best of Azulas that day. But it's good for him to experience those type of, of, of matchups, you know, here in the summer, realizing that there's another level to this, and I need to get there. So hopefully that's driving him um, to, to when the season starts, and more important, when practice starts, he's that guy who's out in front where Tommy and his staff don't have to say a word to him. All right, you mentioned the NBA. I want to get to that in just a second there because you obviously played a couple of years before some injuries occurred. But first, DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. Um, NBA is not here right now, but we're going to be talking about some NBA players, namely Allen Iverson and Jalen Rose, some guy that Reggie has a little bit of experience with. But you know what? Um, right now, you put down a deposit. You can get back $1,000 in free plays, 21 and up, Arizona only. Got a gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. But again, Arizona, uh, Arizona basketball, a lot of people in here. Chris Simmons asked here, and we'll, since we're talking this, he says, can Benedict be one of the best ever out of Arizona? I'll just give my opinion, then I will give the floor to the expert. Um, at their apex, Gilbert Arenas, in my opinion, was clearly the best U of A player ever. But if you're looking at careers, I think it's, you know, you throw in Iggy, you throw in JT, guys like that. But I don't know that why Benedict, if, especially if you were betting on this at the DraftKings Sportsbook app, couldn't be one of the better players, one of the better pros. I mean, and that's saying a lot, but he's got that type of ability there, Reg. 
No, he does. He, he's a special, um, you know, athlete. He's a, a gifted scorer. I think, like, and I keep saying this in today's NBA, you know, this is a guy who, you know, over time as he learns the NBA game could be a 20-plus scorer. I think he projects out, you know, potentially even an all-star level player as he gets into If he remains healthy, continues to get better. Um, he's kind of on that track. So he, I think he's in the running, you know, for me in terms of pros. Damon Stoudemire, obviously, I thought was a, was a terrific pro. Uh, Chris Mills was a sneaky good pro in terms of just being a, a 12 to 15-year super vet. Um, but, yeah, Bink could definitely be in that running. Once again, just needs to remain healthy and confident. Okay, so now let's go back. Let's get back to the roster. Umar Ballo. I saw Umar on campus a while back. Um, looked very. Looked like he had lost a little bit of weight. And I'll be honest with you, when he came in, I had no clue what to expect from him. I didn't know if he was going to be kind of roster filler, a practice guy. And then all of a sudden, he's getting in games, and he's having games where he's dunking on people. He's getting five blocks. He drastically outperformed what I, at least, was expecting. Now, going into year two at Arizona, what are the leaps that you're looking for him to take? Yeah, you know, Balo had a really good year last year, like I say, coming into it. I think Tommy was kind of saying, for the most part, he was a little bit more of a project, and we'll see how it kind of plays out. And as the year went on, we started realizing, hey, this, this is a big kid. You know, he doesn't really show some of that outward fire, but uh, when we were looking around, nobody was moving him. He was actually moving people. Right. Good rebounder, really soft hands. He's got about a, like a little 14, 15-foot shot put. He throws up there and it kind of dies on the rim, but he just seemed to be really efficient, really productive. I look for more of the same in that. I don't know – Points-wise, if it takes a huge leap, but just being that solid anchor in the middle, a guy you can give the basketball to, a guy defensively who can keep people away from the rim. Um, obviously, we won't have that colloquial shot blocking, um, you know, as part of the team. But I think he could be a solid defender and a solid player and a starter throughout the season. Can he be a guy at some point in his career that you can rely on? Where say you're down six points or something down the court, and you're like, we need a couple buckets. Does he have that in him? In your opinion? No, I think he does. And I think if you go back to that barrier trip last year, that Cal Stanford, yeah. he yeah. had a really nice back-to-back performance. We were like looking around like, and you could see the confidence with the team was growing, that they were they were feeling confident and were going to him. So without doubt, I, I see him being a big part uh, of, of the game plan. And, and for those moments when you need a, a, you know, a two-pointer, if he has the advantage of going into him. Oh, all right. I have to ask you this. Our guy, Kenny Abbey, who's on all the time, said, wanted me to ask you, first of all, what do you think about going back to the jerseys that you were wearing when you were at the U of A, which really are, let's be honest here, the uh, the apex of Arizona basketball? No, I agree, man. It's about time. You know, they just, uh, we've been kind of asking for them, like, man, we need to get some throwbacks and get back to some of our older uniforms and design because they were clean. You right. Know, um, and so, you know, they kind of got away and they were doing some of the space age stuff you're seeing and the multiples and the double dimensions, but it's nice to see the simplicity and just a, a clean, crisp look we're going to get back to, and I think the guys are really going to enjoy it. Yeah, for sure, and there's just something about it, too, when you've got the cats going down the side, and I always love, you know, in my, when you would see, like, uh, Khalid number three coming out, or you'd see Damon at 20 coming out, there was just something about that and that era that just resonates to this day, and if you were able to live it, you're something certainly special. You were certain, <laughs> you obviously were. <laughs> Yeah, um, and, and, I need, and just really quick, I want to see those air, the cat socks come back. Yes. Uh, we, you know, if we, get, if we can add the socks back, that would, that, would, that would make it complete. Bring back the real JT, bring back the JT long socks and everything. <laughs> Speaking of which, real quick, this is a random question, but you guys, you crossed paths with JT for one year at the U of A, obviously. Did you have any idea that he would 
go on to be a t- almost 20,000 point per game NBA and or 20, uh, 20,000 point career NBA guy? Yeah. It's, I mean, that's a great question. I, I, to be honest with you, the answer probably would be no, but it would be, I, I want to head say saying that because I, we knew there was something special about him from day one. Right. He was just a very mature individual. He was a very grounded person. He didn't seem to be any kind of rush. And that played out over his entire four years where, as you, everyone knows, he didn't start for the first three and then his fourth right. year becomes national player of the year. So he just had a, a, a way about him. And then to see him come back in the summertime and to see the kind of shape he was in and kind of pro he was becoming, um, by the end, we weren't surprised. Just, you know, he's just a special talent and just and just was very, very fortunate and blessed to, to not be injured and have the career he had. All right, so we're now we're we're in the transfer era level where p- players can kind of hop and go where they want. So you got a couple guys that I really wanted to get your opinion on. You got Courtney Ramey coming in, who has made his mark defensively, made third team All Big Twelve uh, defensive, but one of the better defensive players in the conference. I would assume he slides in next to Kerr again. Nothing's promised. I get that, but he does seem that he could take a little bit of that onus off Kerr. You know, where you're going into a game and you're going against a Terrell Brown or you're going against a, a, a player that's clearly going at Kerr. I think it gives them a little bit more position flexibility that maybe they didn't quite have last year. Yeah, I think he's a nice addition. You know, being I think he's going to be with a fifth year senior. I want to say um, so that maturity for sure. And we know when he gets out there, he's not going to be shook by the moment of the bright lights. This is a guy who's been there. He's done it defensively. Um, I think, you know, we don't talk about it enough, but Tommy and the group, they hang their hats defensively and getting stops and, and being tough-minded. And I think he'll play well to that. And, you know, anytime you're adding guys like that, you know, around a Kirk Chris or around a Paul Larson, it can, it can only be a, a plus. So, yeah, I think he's a good addition. And, it, and he should be excited about this opportunity because now he gets to come into kind of a fresh environment. He can kind of reestablish and change his storyline and maybe look to score more and look to be a little bit more aggressive. Well, let me ask you this. Defen- offensively, with, with Lute, Lute was always renowned, and I tell this story all the time that I was able – this was back when you were able to come into practice and actually watch. And I'll never forget, and there was one game where, for whatever reason, and I can't remember, Khalid Reeves was uh, running point, Damon was running on the opposite side. And I don't know exactly the details, but either way, Khalid gets the ball to half court and looks over, and I can't remember if it was Roz or Jesse Evans, for like a play or something. Lute, who would always kind of sit there in the middle – kind of comes up, it comes down on the court and says, Khalid, if I haven't shown you by now what to do, then I'm not doing my job. Your job's to go. And when I watched Lloyd last year, it looked like there was some of that that just go. We've already worked uh, through that, not necessarily from a, a style perspective, but do you see some similarities there as far as their offense? Yeah, no, I see a lot of similarities between the two and just in how they empower players and just kind of free players up. And it's, it's built within the system. It's how they approach their day to day. And so, yeah, I see a lot of similarities offensively where we were a little bit more, you know, when I first got to Arizona, it was more three around two. And, and it kind of was, it probably ended up for my last three years being four around one. I mean, four players on the perimeter, one on the inside. Um, and that when you're playing that way, it allows a lot of freedom of movement, it allows some driving lanes. You know, Tommy's more so four around one and sometimes five around zero, where they're pulling that big out and really allowing those driving lanes and those driving kick lanes. And when you're playing that way, it's fun because there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of player movement side to side. There's a lot of ball movement. And when that happens, you break down the defense and it allows a lot of guys to get touches and have opportunities. And when people, everyone's eating, man, 
it makes everybody feel good defensively. Now you're a little bit more engaged because you know offensively you're part of the show. And I just think it, it really frees up guys because at the end of the day, cream's going to rise to the top. So you can have this system of movement, but everyone knows the priority of, of the pecking order of one, two, and three in terms of shots. And it just works itself out. And, and you play with a smile, and it seems like Arizona players are, have that smile back on their face again. So you go into your senior year then, and again, you've got Damon. You've got Damon for your uh, three of those years. You've got Khalid for you got Khalid for two of those who are doing a lot of scoring. You're coming back, and you're going to have the point. You're going to have the ball in your hand almost the entire game, right there. And what is what was your mindset going into that? And what did Luke talk to you about from what he wanted from Reggie Geary, who didn't have the ball in his hands a lot when uh, you know coming up to what the senior year where you're averaging seven assists a game. Yeah, you know, um, he really he really didn't he didn't really have to say much to me. You know, I, I understood kind of, um, you know, in terms of taking care of the basketball and getting our teams and really utilizing our weapons. You know, keep in mind, even though my freshman, sophomore, and junior year, I didn't play a ton of point guard, I led the team in assists my sophomore, right. junior, and senior year. So I always had the playmaking and the, and the passing kind of was already built in. It was just more so of that first third, bringing the ball up and, and kind of getting us into our stuff. And um, I was biting at the bit. It, it was, it was, it was, it was my senior year. I took a lot of pride in, in, in taking some ownership in the group. And uh, we had a tough end to our junior year. I didn't want to repeat that in terms of the NCAA tournament. So uh, I was locked in. Uh, it, it helped a lot that the preseason NIT in Madison Square Garden was right there in the beginning of the season. And I, that was my biggest dream besides winning a national championship and getting to a final four, but getting to the garden, playing in the Mecca of basketball. Um, I'd seen other U of A teams do it and I wanted to do it. So I was locked in day one. You know, we beat Long Beach State with James Cotton. We go down to Arkansas with Kareem Reed and, and beat them on their home floor. And now we're in the garden, you know, Michigan, you know, Georgetown in the finals. It was a dream scenario. So I was locked into that point guard spot from day one. Okay, so now you're a guy that was able to shut down Jalen Rose, uh, Jalen Rose, and then your senior year you're going against Allen Iverson. Take me through your preparation because these are obviously two drastically different players on the perimeter. From a guy, from your perspective, what was your mindset going in against Jalen Rose, and what were you trying to accomplish against AI? Yeah, that, that night against Jalen, it was it was. Um... The Fiesta Bowl Classic, you know, mm -hmm. championship game. So, um, but the, the biggest thing I remember about it was just an electric night. It was just one of those special nights in McHale where there was just a buzz from jump. Um, I just remember being excited. Um, it was Michigan with you know four of the of the Fab Five in attendance, and you know we just had a target on them. Like you know they're about to get it. And I and I remember just saying whoever's in front of me, you know, is, is going to get locked down. And obviously, Jalen was a big name at that time, so it, you know, I was I was up for the challenge and willing to accept it. And I think I came out and got a big block against Ray Jackson from the weak side, and that just kind of you know electrified the crowd and kind of got me going. And then I started realizing at the game that, especially in the first half, was my quickness and my strength was really was really affecting Jalen to the point where he was now getting frustrated. You know, he was talking a little bit, and then once I got him talking, I was like, all right. I think I got this guy kind of where I want him. Right. And he just kind of unraveled as the half went on and ended up throwing a punch, to, you know, at the end of the half. And right. so we, we had him, we had him, you know, we had him out of their game. Khalid is just going, he's having one of these nights. I think he was 20 for 21 or something like that. 40 or, point you know, game. Yeah. 40 point game. You know, and now we're talking stuff and we're into him. And it was just, it was just a magical night. So just using my quickness and strength against a taller player in Jalen against Iverson. Um, I actually, actually that game plan, I, I caught a lot of Victor Page. Victor mm -hmm. Page was Georgetown's number one or number right. two scorer. Your gunner, um, sure. He was. And so they were thinking that, you know, I could, you know, we're going to let 
AI kind of get his, lock up Victor Page and get the team win. And that's kind of how it played out that, you know, Miles caught a lot of uh, Iverson. I was weak side a lot coming over for the locks and helping out. Um, you know, Iverson got his 40 points, but, you know, Sports Illustrated said it right there inside the magazine, five beats one. Right. You know, Iverson goes for 40, but Reggie let the game come to him. So it was just a good night. When you got to the NBA, what what was the most glaring difference from college to college to the NBA? Um, obviously, you know, the obvious answer is just, you know, just the quality of player. You know, um, you know, everyone at the NBA does what they do extremely well on a very high, high level. And you take and you combine that with just the length and the size of everybody that those holes that once, you know, I did high school, I was, you know, it was two feet wide and in college, it was, you know, nine inches wide. Well, now it, you, only, you only had a, a split second before it closed up. You know, I remember going against Scotty Pippen a couple of times and looking at his length, like, oh my goodness, or Gary Payton, you know, it's just so much of a faster game and you internally have to slow it down more so on your end because things are happening so fast. You have the ability to slow down, see things in front of you, but still play at this, you know, NBA elite level. And so it takes some time of adjusting. Um, but once you get it and, and you kind of get out of your head and just start playing, uh, it's just a beautiful experience. All right. I'm going to get Reggie's take on next year's team and just overall what he expects. But again, DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. You put out a deposit, you get a thousand bucks in free plays. If you're a new customer, I actually, Arizona's now hopping up the rankings, um, you know, with the re, uh, with the reclassification of Kylan Boswell. So now you're looking at a team that is probably going to be somewhere around 16 or 15. If you think that's a good deal, this is the place that you need to hop into. Again, if you'd bet on Arizona last year, you would have made a lot of money. Make it happen. DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. All right, Reg. Um, I'm uh, I'm of the opinion. I look at next year's roster, and I I view it. I look at it as a team that I think is going to be very very good. Um, I don't necessarily know that I see the the next level oomph for, to compete for a national title. But at the same time, the same people said that about your guys' group in '95 '96, and you were maybe a player away from. Let's be honest here. If you got JB or another, you know there's a chance you're cutting the nets down. So sometimes from the outsider perspective, it doesn't mean anything. What do you look at as this year's team and just kind of its apex? Yeah, like you, Mike, I think this is I think this is gonna be a solid ball club. I think when you look when you really look at their roster, they have you know seven, eight guys every night that Tommy's gonna be able to go to with confidence, you know, and putting his stuff out there. And I just think, you know, that 15, 16, that's a great place to start with with in that in that top twenty-five. Um, I, I believe they're going to be a top echelon Pac-12 team uh, right there, you know, vying for a championship once again. Um, but, you know, they're, they're not going to have as much um, wiggle room, you know, where last year they would have these uh, stretches or even halves where they didn't look particularly like they were playing all that hard, all that well. And they were able to you know, kind of turn it over and really play at a high level and, and turn around five and ten put deficits and, act, and actually walk away with wins. Right. Don't know if that gear necessarily is there. Um, but I still think, you know, they have the ability to go out and, and looking at their schedule, you know, and, and a little bit I know of it, you know, they should they should, should be feeling pretty good that this can be a 20-plus win and, and they're going to be, you know, a, a five-seat or higher going into the tournament, you know, if all things go well. He's Reggie Geary. He's the best defensive player in school history. You can catch him with Brian Jeffries this coming season as well. Reg, as always, a pleasure to talk with you, my man. We'll definitely get caught up here again soon. Yeah, sounds great, Mike. Anytime, man. It's always a pleasure. All right. He's Reggie Geary. I'm Mike Luke. Thanks so much for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. Mm-hmm.